The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Daniel Eikenson uh, from the Cato Institute uh, joins us, and uh, he's here to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, the Trump tariffs. And uh, I know Canada's a little wound up uh, at the uh, the new Trump tariffs, and uh, I, I kind of feel, you know, the EU's all wound up, everybody's having, uh, getting their... Uh, Getting their uh, yes. shirts upset about yes. it. I was going to use another phrase, and mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't. I had to I rethink was the phrase. For it. Yes, <laughs> but I kind of feel like most of America kind of feels like, why should I care about this, and why should they? Am I on with you guys? Yes, you, you are. are. Hi, Daniel. Daniel. Thanks for joining How are us. You? Hi. So, why should they? Well, look, tariffs are taxes, and when we impose tariffs on imported steel and aluminum to protect a steel industry or the aluminum industry, um, we are imposing costs on downstream industries. The companies that purchase steel and aluminum will have to raise their prices because their cost of production will be higher. They'll have fewer profits in which to to spend on, to invest in, for an expansion and to hire people. You mean they so, won't just absorb the cost, Daniel? No, well, so how do you absorb the cost? Uh, you absorb the cost, and and then you have fewer profits to invest in in, in plant expansion. It, it's just a tax, you know. You you go to, just when you go to Walmart or you go to any store and you get hit with tax. Uh, that's more money out of your pocket as a sure consumer. Is. Adds up fast. So, there's a lot of, you know, you, you mentioned that the Canadians are upset and the, the EU is upset. Americans should be upset first. Yeah, um, we are going to be paying higher prices. And uh, this is not good for international relations. And uh, we should expect to see more of this. There's going to be retaliation against our exporters, which means people who work in companies that export to the EU and Canada and Mexico are, are going to be adversely affected. So I, I uh, do. Not, I, not good. Yeah, Daniel, I do find it interesting. Uh, There are, you know, and I know we have Trump supporters that are listeners, uh, and I don't mean to knock on him or them, but I do find it interesting. It seems to be there's a disconnect uh, that, you know, what a trade war really would mean for the country. And, you know, I know uh, Trump tweeted out that trade wars were easy to win, you know, Um, and I just I think that I feel like there's a disconnect on, you know, what tariffs really do um, to Americans. It's not, uh, you know, if we, you know, have a tariff on things coming in from China, I mean, China's not paying that. You know, I think that. So do you find that there's a disconnect in the understanding of what tariffs actually do and what they are? I think there is uh, a misunderstanding in that when we talk about trade at the national level, a lot of people buy into this idea that trade is a competition between, you know, Team USA and Team China. And therefore, exports are our points and imports are the other team's points. And the trade account is a scoreboard and we have a deficit. So that means that we're losing at trade and we're losing because the foreign team is cheating. That's really not the way to think about this. Um, You know, 50%, half of the value of U.S. imports are intermediate goods and capital equipment. That means these are the purchases of U.S. companies mm-hmm. that they need, that they rely on to produce their output and to be able to contribute to U.S. GDP and hire people. So when you raise those costs and then foreign governments retaliate against our exporters, that reduces their revenues, their profits get squeezed, and they don't have anything to invest. And um, Trump is very different. He's unorthodox in the sense that you know the 13 presidents prior to him believed that trade was a win-win and that both 
and all countries benefit from exchange. Uh, he sees Trump sees trade as a zero sum game, and uh, right. and so we have the leverage because we have a large market and because we have uh, trade deficits. He thinks that others depend on us more than we depend on them, but it's not the right way to go about this. And he's really we're on the brink of uh, economic catastrophe here. Well, he. Uh believed I, I don't know that people are making the argument for him that this was to uh you know a uh, bargaining chip with him mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but he's not making that case he's making the case for national security so which is it well there's un, under the constitution congress has the authority to to implement trade policy to, to regulate foreign commerce but over the years congress has delegated some of that authority through statute uh, to the president uh, f- for various circumstances, one of which is uh, for national security purposes. So the law that was invoked here is something called Section 232 of the Trade Expansion Act of 1962. And section. that enables the president to identify national security threats uh, and then mitigate those threats with tariffs or, or the like. Uh, but it's been seldom used. It's a, it's a Soviet uh, you know, Cold War era provision that was designed to ch- sort of check Soviet expansion, uh, and he's used it to uh, ensnare our our allies. Uh, and, but really, he was using it, I think, to obtain the leverage because the statute gives him a lot of latitude uh, to obtain the leverage to try to extract from Canada and Mexico and the EU concessions, uh, commitments from them to purchase more U.S. products and sell us fewer products so that we can have a better trade balance with them. And that is uh, really not a good use of the law or of, uh, of, of U.S. moral authority. Yeah. Well, well, we already failed. I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm not an expert by any means, but I was. I've been. Uh, you know, had it blasted into me that uh, the Moot Holly years uh, we should learn from. Uh, maybe uh, history, history repeating itself, uh, and yeah. so we should kind of maybe I don't know learn our lesson. We should. Uh, unfortunately, I think you know history is not as convincing as, as it as it should be. Uh, maybe we need a fresh set of data That'd to show how disruptive trade wars can be. You know, back in the 1930s when we had Smoot Hawley, uh, global trade was much smaller than it is now, and most products uh, were produced entirely in a, in a given country. There wasn't a lot of intermediate good trade. Today, two thirds of global trade is intermediate goods. Right. Uh, so it's you know in in process in production in process trade whereas back then it was it was less than one third so there were fewer interests lobbying in washington or in the european capitals to say hey don't impose trade barriers because you're going to raise our costs today there are many many more interests that are adversely affected and um, we're waiting to see uh, them uh, you know make a difference here and for congress to get involved so far the republicans in congress have been uh, sitting on their hands and uh, i think they have they do a pretty good job of that <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, everyone needs to be good at something, right? Well, yeah, they're darn good at that. Yeah. So, uh, best case outcome in your eyes, Daniel? That uh, that at, at the last minute, uh, the uh, well, actually at midnight, the tariffs took effect. Uh, right. But we need to we need to uh, negotiate uh, a way out of this. It's not just the steel tariffs with the Europeans and the Canadians and the Mexicans that are at issue. Uh, next week, in two weeks, uh, the president is going to unveil a, a list of products uh, that are going to be hit with, uh, you know, Chinese products are going to be hit with 25% tariffs. We're talking about $50 billion worth of imports. The Chinese have already said that they're going to retaliate against $50 billion of our exports. That's a lot of trade. That's going to have really adverse. So we need to 
uh, find a way to uh, give the, the president and the president of China and the prime minister of Canada a political way out and, and avert uh, this, this, this otherwise pending disaster. Is there a way? Uh, you know, we, we could uh, agree to, uh, um, to purchase each other's products, uh, to recommit to the rules of the World Trade Organization. Um, I, I, I don't I know, don't know I that they're going to do that. I'm, you're, you're I'm not... afraid the president just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't quite understand uh, well, the, the right. importance of trade. Well, even, yeah. if, even if he does, the out is going to have to make him look like he won, or you're, not, or you're going nowhere fast. That, that's right, and I think it's the same for just about every political leader, but th- this one in particular, well, the U.S. president in particular. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Eikelson, thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, your time. My it was pleasure. great. Um, director Thanks of Trade Policies for the Cato Institute. Uh, Daniel, uh, fascinating. I, I, I still, you know, I, I understand, you know, how bad it is, and we need to do something, and yet I, I really do feel I don't know that we're ever going to wake people up until – the prices start hitting mm-hmm. the prices start hitting the shelves and product is not on the shelves that was there before mm-hmm. yeah well, i think that's right i think we have crisis fatigue we're tired of hearing about it we need to see it uh, i don't wish that upon anybody but uh, I know. that's what's going to happen and maybe we'll learn a lesson i hope we do yeah. daniel thank you very thank much you, i appreciate it thanks for joining us on the morning blades daniel Eikenson. knowledge is power tweet at us with the hashtag what i learned today This is the Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson on the Blaze Radio Network.